Well, we have two key words in our gospel lesson for today. They're simple words, but profound and not always easy to understand. And those words are truth and free. Truth is a word that's become questioned or disputed or suspect. Many news sources and social media memes and other places promote a distorted truth to try to confuse or mislead others. How do we know which sources to believe? What counts as truth now? Jesus said that the truth will make you free. Even if we figure out what counts as truth, do we understand what it means to be free? We commonly think of freedom as being free from some obligation or it is a limit imposed on us. We value our individual autonomy and we don't want anyone else to tell us what to do. While this kind of freedom is important in the civil realm, it is far from the freedom of Christ. So how do we put these two seemingly simple but complex words together and understand what Jesus means. Reformer Martin Luther spent a great deal of time trying to know who God was and to find ways of expressing what he came to know and to believe so that others would know God too. He used coarse language and drank beer and wrote hymns using tunes that people would know and recognize. When he wrote his catechism, he used language his small son could understand. He, as we know, he even translated the Bible into the language that everybody spoke. Truth about God and our faith, as complex as it is, should be something that we can grasp and wrestle with. In John's gospel, the word truth is not abstract. It is the reality of God revealed in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Truth is knowing God through Jesus and therefore knowing God as sacrificial love. This is the truth that sets us free. If we know God as revealed in Christ, then we know what true freedom is. Freedom to love as God loves us. And God does love us. In a recent newsletter written by my husband and fine theologian, Mark Titi. He reminded me of an image that I found helpful. Remember the game Trivial Pursuit? The piece you moved around the board was a circle with six empty pie-shaped slots in it. And the goal of the game was to travel around the board, getting correct answers to all the six genre of questions, which would earn you a little pie wedge that you could put into um, your pie piece. And once you got all of it filled, six pie wedges into your piece, you would go to the center and answer one last question. If you got it right, you win. If not, you try again. I think of this game every time I hear someone authentically lament, I just don't fit in. Or I don't have time for church. Or church isn't relevant anymore. 
I think in these moments, people are so authentically overwhelmed by stuff in their life that they have begun to think of their faith as merely one of those pie wedges, like tending to their faith is yet another thing that they need to do, yet they know they don't have enough bandwidth to take care of it. When in fact, because faith is a gift from God in Christ Jesus, faith is not the pie wedge, but the whole round piece that holds together every pie wedge of our lives. What's more, God does not expect us to have it all correct before we move on to the next genre. God does not expect us to get it right in order to win. God does not even expect us to have the energy to do anything about it, which is why God saves us. Us, and God loves us. God knows we struggle, which is why Jesus' ministry was to build a community among those who were suffering and struggling. We need each other when life piles up. The church, the community of Jesus' followers, exists to provide the net when we fall or to extend the hand when we stumble or that hand when we are suffering, whether it be physically or otherwise. When you cannot believe the truth, when you are bound or burdened, when you have nothing else to say or do, come and just let us, the people of God, speak to you the words of Jesus' truth and freedom. Have you ever seen the 1986 film, The Mission? It is set in 1750 in the rainforest of South America where Jesuit priests go to live and teach among the, Jesu among the indigenous people. In one scene, you see two priests and another man climbing up to the Igazu Falls. And the priests were traveling rather lightly with just a pouch attached to their belts while the other man had a rather large and bulky, lumpy bag attached to him, obviously very heavy. And as they were climbing up the very muddy pathways, the man slips and he tumbles all the way to the bottom of the hill, brought down by that heavy burden, that heavy weight. So at that point, one of the priests takes a knife and he cuts off the, the rope so that the the man would be free from his burden and that the bag then rolled into the river. The man went down into the river, grabbed the bag, tied it back onto the ropes and continued with them up the hill, up that steep, un steep uh, mountain pass. You see, the scene is a metaphor for the burden of sin because the bag the man Rodrigo Mendoza was carrying contained his helmet and armor and sword, symbols of a violent past which he had given up, but which still haunted him. Mendoza had given up his former life as a mercenary and a slaver after killing his brother, his only brother, in a fight over a woman. He had joined the Jesuit priest Fielding and Father Gabriel in a desperate attempt to earn absolution for something he could not live with. Mendoza did not understand forgiveness. He didn't want to accept it. As Fielding offered the forgiveness, Mendoza refused it. 
And we can look at Mendoza and see how ridiculous and futile his attempt is to atone for his actions by punishing himself. We can see that Mendoza really didn't understand forgiveness, but how many of us really do? How many of us live in the freedom that comes from knowing and following Christ? How many of us still carry around the burdens of our mistakes and failures, weary with the weight of guilt and shame? The forgiveness and freedom of Christ is not an easy thing to accept, especially when we can't forgive ourselves. Well, at the end of that long climb to the top of the falls, Mendota finally crawls over the top. He's still carrying his burden. He's beaten. He's exhausted. He's muddy. And one of the indigenous people, when they see him, they grab a knife and they head towards him. And it's, it seems a little tense at that point. He was a slaver after all. But what this person did was he cut that rope from Mendoza and he pushed his burden over the cliff, down into the river. And that's when he finally realized he was truly forgiven, and he wept. Martin Luther famously captured this truth when he said in The Freedom of the Christian, Christians are truly free, subject to no one. And at the same time, Christians are servants of others called to love and care for them. This is the freedom we need and we long for, freedom within a community of love. Jesus makes it possible for us by setting us free from having to become good enough for God to love us. God's love is the truth of the cross. It's extravagant. It's self-giving. It is sure. We are truly free to love when we live in the love of God through Jesus Christ. Reformation is certainly a festival day where we wear red and sing our favorite songs or celebrate and remember our history. But it should also be a day to re-examine our faith. Part of that is recognizing the truth, of course, about our inadequacies, our failings, our sinfulness. The law is like a mirror put up to us and we're in a room filled with fluorescent lights where we can see every single flaw and wrinkle. But God doesn't look at us through that mirror. The truth about God is that God brings us new knowledge about ourselves. God shines a new light on us where our iniquities are forgiven and our sins forgotten. So let go of your burdens and stop listening to the truth that makes you feel unloved or unworthy. The message of reformation is God's love for us. It is love that frees us and redefines us as the people of God and as members of the whole body of Christ. So remember, in God's eyes, you are beautiful. Amen. Let us sing our hymn of the day.